Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and I'm with Lynette today. I'm honored that she's here. I've known about her story for a while, and as I've thought about it, I have hoped that she would be willing to share it for our podcast because it's a story that's so difficult and yet so needed in our climate right now. It's a story about LGBT issues and identity and faith, and that is one of the most difficult stories, I think, for a lot of people. So if you're someone who is trying to figure out how can I fit in the church if I identify as an LGBTQ plus member, or maybe you have a son or a daughter, maybe you know someone who's transgender, um, your friends. I think all of us in the church, our hearts are being torn by this issue. I think we're learning a lot, but my hope is that this story will help someone out there who needs a story of hope. Now, that being said, we're not trying to share a story that will be exactly like your story. Lynette's story may be different from yours. We don't expect you to imitate or copy hers, but we hope that the principles that she shares will give somebody hope, understanding, because I know her story has done that for me. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. I know I built that story up a lot. Hopefully, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's a that's, lot. <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> but I, I'm so glad you're here to share. Um, typically, we, we talk about early life and early faith, but with your story, we're going to start a little bit later um, because, like I said, of the complexity of your story and where you're at now. I mean, it it is a long, winding, yet beautiful path. Like I said, hopeful. So talk to us about when you were in your 20s. Give us a little bit of background to set the scene. Um, okay. My um, mom joined the church when I was five. And so all of my family is converts, but I grew up in the church and I knew when we first started going to church that it was very different. And so I gravitated towards that. Um, and I went to BYU and, you know, I had all the hopes and dreams of having a family and, you know, I dated, I dated guys. Um, I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do, went on a mission. Um, and then I got back from my mission and I came out. Uh, I realized through my experiences kind of over dating that I wasn't connecting with guys at all, like nothing, um, and had no ability to like emotionally bond there. Um, and I was, as I grew, I was bonding with women basically. And so as I came out, I had these two sides of myself. Yeah. And I did not know how to reconcile those two sides of myself. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about those two sides, especially for people who maybe haven't had an experience like this. Talk about both sides a little bit more. So, let's see, the, the faith side, I had really strong testimony experiences growing up. So my grandma lived by Nauvoo and I would go visit my grandma and I'd go to Nauvoo and I just had this great curiosity about the restoration and I read a lot of books about Joseph Smith. I had a wonderful seminary teacher. So I had this, you know, really firm 
um, testimony of Joseph Smith, and I had a before that I had a very firm testimony of God and His love for me, as well as the Savior and His example, and um, just kind of the foundation of you know what we're searching for in this life. Yeah. And so I had this side of me, and I went on a mission, and I loved my mission. It was hard, but I loved it. And then I had this other side of me emerging, you know, and I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know. So one of the things I did, I mean, I did know um, I'd read Miracle Forgiveness. I knew the rhetoric of the church, but it didn't bring me any understanding, I guess is the best best way to say it, because I didn't know how I could get from where I was to, I didn't even know where I was supposed to go. Yeah. So I went to, when I was in my, there was a, two things that happened my last year at BYU. One of them was I decided to go up to church headquarters and talk to the head of social services on wow. this issue. And I don't, I think we sat outside. I don't remember much about it, but I do remember he said to me, we just don't understand why some people are gay. We don't know. Why is that a challenge in this life? Um, Or, you know, some people believe that's who they are forever um, because they can't see, you know, you can't see outside that. And so... You know, with him telling me we don't know, I just figured I had to figure it out myself. And so I did. I went and figured it out. My bishop at the time, um, and there's a lot of experiences in there, but my bishop at the time um, said, I can see you're going to go figure this out. And he kind of let me. He didn't tell me not to go figure it out. He just talked to me about all kinds of alternatives and different things. And... let me pause there for a minute because um, are you saying that that was probably the most helpful thing for you rather than having someone tell you what to do or tell you his opinion to, to allow you to find out? I think he was hearing me. So he did tell me a lot of his opinions. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I heard also his, his beliefs and stuff. Um, but, but he could see you enough... Yeah. To also allow you, why why was that helpful for you to have a church leader? And of course, so he he shared his thoughts. But why was that helpful for a church leader to, first of all, to let you be seen as you, and second of all, to allow you options? I think that's that's what I'm hearing. I that word options. Why was that an effective approach for a church leader to take with you? Well, I think. That's what the Lord does, right? He never takes away our agency. And so he can present both sides of, but to honor someone's agency, I don't know, I, I think that's the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what other experiences, I, I pressed the pause button there, so let's, let's keep going. After the bishop had told you, um, I can see you're gonna figure out this out for yourself, what what happened for you to figure it out? So I went and dated women. I stopped going to church. And um, after two or three years, I met my partner. Three years. And I was with her for eight years. Um, 
and it was pretty easy for me to go and, and figure it out. But once I got in a relationship, it was really hard. Then my faith started pulling on me, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of conflict around that. And was it, you've talked about these two identities. Yeah, Is that where parts. the conflict was? Yes, that's yeah. when the conflict really came up. And I, ha- I had an experience where I felt the Spirit told me, you're going to be okay, you're okay, I love you, you're okay. Oh. And I, that helped me kind of settle into the, into the experience um, and learn what I needed to learn. Hmm. And so backing up to right before I left BYU, um, it was literally probably a month before I left BYU and eight months before I came out, Um, like finally came out and started dating women and stuff. Um, I went to a state conference fireside thing and it was a 70, but I don't have any record really of what he said, but he he gave a talk about what it means to be in a eternal relationship. And he didn't label it straight or gay or anything like that. He just, this is what it means to be one with someone else. And he talked about this concept of being one with someone and how we're one with the atonement and what the atonement means. And this just riveted in my mind. And so when I was in this relationship and trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted in a relationship, I just didn't feel like it was matching or had the capability to even match what that was. And so I was kind of torn between my faith, this experience I'd had in understanding eternal relationships, and then, you know, in life, just being with someone that, you know, gives you, it was a wonderful relationship, gave me comfort, helped me grow a lot um, as a person and feeling loved and, you know, just how we mirror each other in life um, in those relationships. That's, I mean, that's one of the best ways to learn to grow and love in life, right? Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate so much what you said about allowing yourself to be settled. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes when we're dealing with complexity, and, and you're, the type of complexity you were dealing with is unimaginably difficult. It, it's something that I can only honor and try and see. But um, the fact that you talked about settling into it, I think sometimes we feel like we have to rush, like the finish line is tomorrow and God wants me to finish and figure this all out. Um, But you being willing to to say, "I, I want to feel God's love. I want to do this in a way that makes me feel settled at one with God being with your partner for eight years, um, and I love how you say you, you learn so much. You you learned mm-hmm. a lot about love. Um, this settling process as it continued forward, where did it take you and, and why? So she really wanted to get married. It was um, Massachusetts had just legalized gay marriage. Hawaii was next, and she wanted to get married and I just could not wrap my head around that. I couldn't, it didn't feel, I think at one point I said to her, this is going to last a certain amount of time. She was really upset with me, (laughs) but it just didn't feel to me like 
what I had learned. I don't know, and I, you know, that's a long, lengthy explanation, I think, but, um, so I, I just couldn't, and so we, have, we broke up, and it was painful. It was very, very painful um, for both of us. Um, yeah. And I didn't know at that point, like, it wasn't, I didn't have my own understanding like I have now of why. Like, I knew it wasn't working. I knew that it wasn't what I wanted, but I didn't know why. And I didn't know how to tie it to that other experience I had had with the spirit. Yeah. That I know now. Okay. But I don't. So anyways, I, I left that relationship and I dated a ton. I didn't know if it was just my relationship with her yeah. or if it was relationships in general with women. For me, that it wasn't going to work long term. Yeah. Um, if there was just needs I had that I needed to get. And there's all kinds of things around that. <laughs> yeah. um, but so I ended up dating for another dating women for another probably eight or nine years and just getting to a point where I was really lost. Like it just wasn't going to work. And I just finally admitted to myself, this is not the right thing for me. Um, yeah. So what, what and, and this is your story. Again, we don't want anyone to feel like right. what, what you went through is the right thing for everybody, but it was right for you. So what, what was the right thing and what do you understand now? that maybe you didn't understand at the at that point that was so difficult? Well, part of being lost is you just don't know where to turn. Like, I didn't know to come back to the church. I didn't know mm -hmm. even to reconnect with my family. I didn't know, like, I was lost. And were you, did, did you feel alone at that Yeah, at that you feel point? very alone and very, um, yeah, very alone and like the road kind of ends right up ahead. <laughs> and where do you go? Like, do you go backwards? Do you go that way? Do you go that way? Where do you go? You don't know where to go. Anyways, that's how I felt. Yeah. Um, and a couple things happened. Um, the biggest of which was I was in my therapist's office and um, I had lost my job because I was just kind of down. So I took eight months off and then uh, I found another job, which I really liked. I just went and asked them for a job, and they gave me one. So, And my therapist was sitting there, and he said to me, he goes, you move with such ease in the world. And, I, and I'm like, because I got a job? <laughs> I don't know. He's just like, things were easy for me. Um, I guess people struggle with that. And I, the spirit brought back to my remembrance this experience I had when I was young um, about how much God loved me. And just like, whew, like I was there. And, and I said to my therapist, well, God loves me. I have confidence. How could you not? Like, it was just, so it was kind of the rekindling of my connection to God. And, and then I met someone who was sitting Buddhism. So I started meditating. And that was super helpful yeah. after, because it settled my mind. And, um, I started praying um, probably a year after starting to meditate. Um, and, and then just the road kind of opened up. I had my son, which was a huge part of me kind of reconnecting with my family. I moved up by my sister, and she's a very active, um, 
always was LDS person. And um, about two years after having my son, I had my last dating experience. And now it was, you know, family and my son, and it just got bigger. And I just, I just, this is not going to work for me. And I just decided, okay, I'm going to go back to church because I'm my sister's example. And I could watch them and how their family worked. And um, so just a lot of things happened that that kind of led yeah. me back down that road. And, and, and gradually, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it took about five years. Yeah, we've, we've, we've studied a lot of narratives of return. We've shared some things on the Faith is Not Blind website about that. And one of the things we've noticed is how difficult it is for people to come back um, for a lot of different reasons. But one question I want to ask you, especially because this is a reconversion narrative, which they're so rare, um, but so valuable, and they're more than we think. And I think there will continue to be more and more as people listen to stories like yours and realize, oh, I can come back. I, I think we'll get even more and more stories, so, so they won't be quite as rare. What was it that allowed you, you to come back, I mean, just mentally in your paradigm to say, I am welcome there? You, you had your sister's example, you had your family, but what in the church itself um, helped you feel like you could come back, you were welcome, and that you could continue to feel loved in that space that you had left? Well, people are very welcoming, I think. Uh, at least I in my so. ward, they were. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it was very, um, it was a really rich experience of, you know, there were certain people that just came up to me every week and said, we're glad you're here. And um, my bishop gave me space and time. I wore pants originally because I just did not want to wear a dress. Well, and again, um, that's that's a cultural expectation. Yeah, and, yeah has and nothing how, to do with anything. How really, beautiful yeah. to know. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> Please wear, wear what you're comfortable, comfortable in. in. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, and I think my bishop especially, like he really gave me space. And that took about, so it was after I started coming back to church, it was about five years before I decided to go back to the temple. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was huge. Um, and I remember about like, because he asked me to come see him. And I remember thinking, oh, I've been back a year. What is he going to say? <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted me to take a calling. And he wanted me to be in, in the scouts. And I just, because this is when Prop 8 was happening and there was all kinds of things going on. And so it was hard. It was not easy. Um, I had to like, so I'd gone to 12-step for a few years, and there's a slogan in 12-step, take what you like and leave the rest. I very consciously did that coming back to church. Okay, it's like, great. okay, this I want, and this, I have no idea what this is about. Like the whole Prop 8, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I just left things to the side, and I think that's a, a good practice in, yeah. com in coming back. But <clears throat> he asked me to be the scout leader, and I was like, or Cub Scout, someone and I said you can't be gay and in scouts and I didn't even know he I didn't even know if he knew I was gay <laughs> and I said I'm gay I can't be in scouts <laughs> and he said oh I think you could be and I was like no 
scouts and gay don't work together. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I don't know. He was just, and then he said, okay, okay, you know, and I just said, I'm not ready anyways. I'm yeah. not ready to do something. And I think a couple of years later, he called me back in. And he said, so what would you be ready to do? It's like, oh, what a great question. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, I'll be a visiting teacher. <laughs> Cause I like that. I like that idea of visiting people and talking to people and yeah. stuff. So, so that's what I did. Yeah. And what, what would you be ready to do? I, I just imagine God asking us that question. What, what would you be ready to do? Cause I'll help you with that. <laughs> and then, and you don't have to feel like you, you have to completely transform overnight or completely accept every single little thing to come and sit in the pews. What, what are you ready to accept? Yeah. I love that. Well, and even just sitting there and hearing people's experiences, like, you know, I had to relearn the gospel again. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, like, it'd been 20 years since, at this point, wow. since I'd been back, to, coming back to church, it'd been 20 years. And I had to relearn everything. And people say things, and they kind of like, okay, that's different. <laughs> um, you know, and people's testimonies and, you know, everything that they're dealing with. Um, you just really have to learn to like listen to the spirit and what the spirit wants to tell you at that point. And the spirit, it was very gentle. The spirit led me along just step by step. And I learned step by step. And there was never the repentance process or this gentle change is really a beautiful thing. It's not, um, there's no lashing. You know, there's no, there's nothing like that. It was, it was just really comforting, loving, beautiful. Yeah, lead kindly light. Yes. Amid encircling gloom. It's the kindly that you're bringing out. Mm -hmm. um, so how long have you been going to the temple again? It's been about 10 years. About 10 years, wow. So I've been back 15 years. 15 years. Um, I, I'm going to ask you one last question. It's just, I just want to soak in your story. I just want to think about it, especially the way that you're talking about it and, this, and the spirit that you have. Um, for people who are in the thick of it, who are in the encircling, in, sorry, they're in the encircling gloom and maybe not seeing the light or the kindness, um, What's the one most important thing that you wish you had known at that point that might have given you hope? I think um, the nature of this life and God's plan for us and his love that's implicit in our growth as we go down this path, right, yeah. um, towards him. And people move towards him in lots of different ways. And it may not look the way we think it should look right now, but at some point he will lead them where he wants them to be, right? And so this, things become clearer. That's would be my, like we learn line upon line and my line upon line is different than your line upon line, the things I need to refine about my spirit or you know, we're just all so different. And so our life experiences are different. And what I grapple with or the decisions I have to make about my life are completely different than someone else's. And so it's designed in a way that he can lead us. And 
and things will become clear. That's my thing. Things have become clearer and clearer and clearer. You know, why I was gay, um, why that's my path in life. Um, I don't have all the answers. I mean, there's still a lot of clarity to come, but it's becoming clearer. Oh. And his promises are becoming clearer. And the reality, so that's what faith is, is right? Trusting those promises. And um, I brought, I wanted to read this one scripture because it just strikes me so profoundly. And we always read the first scripture in Hebrews uh, 11, right? That faith is the evidence. So we have evidence and we build on that and that's our faith, right? As we move in a direction. But this one scripture that we don't say very often, um, and it's this whole strangers and pilgrims, right? So Paul talks about faith, and then he talks about, so Adam did this by faith, Noah did this yeah. by faith, Moses did this by faith. And then he said, but they all, and they all died in faith, not having received the promises. So we all live by faith, but none of us receive the promises, right? The promise is so great. And that's what faith is. Faith is to get you to that promise, but it's not in this life, right? That's how I see faith. I love that. So whether you're single or, you know, you're struggling with this or that, or, you know, I know what the desire of my heart is now. And I live by that promise. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs>